This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. For Ben, high slot, Vancouver's out, he scores! Jamie Ben with a wrist shot beats Demko, sticks side with just four seconds left in the period, and the Stars make it a one goal game late. It's three to two. Canucks get it out to center, here's Garland, left wing in the red line, plays it into the down the zone for Neil Zoma, back to pass it to slot, Guillaume Riesbos scores! His first NHL goal! And the Canucks lead four to two. With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. Slot for Miller, he scores! A one-time laser beam off the stick of GT Miller goes far down. On the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks take down one of the Giants in the Western Conference for the second time in a couple of weeks. They win, beating the Dallas Stars here at Rogers Arena. It is Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar, and we're going to be joined by Randy Janda here on the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Keep getting your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650, and we will also take your phone calls if you want to grab a phone line as well. 604-280-0650 or toll-free 1-888-275-0650. And uh, it's a Canucks team here, uh, Randeep, that has found a way to win a bunch of games late in the season, five in a row now, and a lot of people wondering, where was this earlier in the season? Uh, you're talking about the wins? You're talking about the structure? There's a lot of things we can fill in the blanks with, but another impressive game by the Vancouver Canucks, and when you start looking at contributions up and down the lineup, we've talked a lot about the Stars guys. Kuzmenko getting another goal. JT Miller gets one late. Uh, Brock Besser picking up his game. A great playmaking game from him. And just o- overall, puck support was strong from Brock Besser. But guys, that bottom six also, you know, there's confidence in them. Coaching staff has given them confidence. And you're seeing some of these guys grow in front of our eyes. So I'm sure there's a lot of folks that feel certain ways on the text inbox. I'm sure that's going on right now. But, you know, you're seeing some growth from these guys as far as the season going on here and getting more time on the ice. And some of these guys are, are really showing that they can play at this level. And it was dispersed all over the lineup. Yeah. Ten different players with points tonight. It's not just one line dominating. It's not just a power play. It's not just Thatcher Demko bailing you out. Ten different guys getting points. Obviously, Miller with a couple. Brock Besser with three apples as well. Contributions from all over. And you mentioned the fourth line. Guillaume Breezeball gets a goal. It's a little bit of everything Looking right like now. Jobo, man, coming up the uh, <laughs> transition. <laughs> Pin- jumping in. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's one of those things where, I mean, if you look at kind of the, the chances too, right, and, you know, what happened in this game, sure, you can look at it and say, you know, Dallas was still generating. But outside of a couple of breakdowns, there weren't the egregious mistakes that have happened. And Vancouver has, is doing what they've done all year. Well, that third, is fine ways to score goals. The third period was very methodical. It was. And we've seen teams here in Rogers Arena play a strong road third and just ice the game out. The Canucks just did that. The Canucks just... Played a strong third period and closed the game out. Gave up seven shots on goal. I'll have to take, uh, take a look at the high dangers, but hard-pressed to even think of one in yep. the third period. That was a strong third period by the Vancouver Canucks. That's what you want to see, like closing out a game. That's That, to me, is a mindset shift of, hey, we know we can play structured hockey, but professional close-it-out hockey. 
And what I liked about their game, guys, was through the neutral zone. They were just, A, you know, in yeah. transition, they are playing a lot faster, which is something that Rick Tockett has mentioned in the past, where playing faster, playing more aggressive, but also denying that blue line uh, at certain moments. This is a team in Dallas that has guys that can that can get those zone entries. They've got Miro Haskinen, who's an absolute, you know, horse of a defenseman. But the Canucks did a good job of, of denying that at certain points of this game and turning that into transition opportunities. And, and going back to that... That fourth line, if we want to call it that, even though ice time-wise they're the third line, uh, Niels Oman, Dakota, Joshua, and Connor Garland, I think in transition and just the ability, they're not maybe the quickest of players, but they're starting to play quick, which yeah. is which is a, a, a great situation to be in when you've got production like that coming from the bottom half of the lineup. Well, I mean, you want to talk about production from everywhere, right? And, you know, we'll get to a Brock Besser in a second, three-point performance from him. The head coach mentioned he wants to get more out of him, thinks there's more there, had three points here this evening. But... One of the stories that's been kind of developing recently and a lot of talk about what's the next wave of Canuck players and what do they have on the back end, well, it's a great story. Go back to 2015. Guillaume Brisebois is drafted in the third round. 2015, that is eight years ago, nearly eight years ago. He's played in the NHL before this season, but has played so well he earns a two-year contract, and tonight scores his first National Hockey League goal of his career. It's a great story of resiliency, hard work, and... How somebody who was kind of an afterthought has kind of thrust himself back into the conversation again. An afterthought, and I think a lot of times counted out, right? When did we see him maybe at the NHL level with his, a brief cameo saying, hey, this guy, this guy's maybe not ready for this. Can he play at this level? He's been working on his game. He worked on an Abbotsford, and now he comes back, gets that two-year deal. But the goal was one thing. But, Sat, there were moments where he's just making the smart pass. I remember there was a, for one pass in the defensive zone to Bavillier, and just a, a really smart player finding a safe pass, but being able to make that play in your own zone. Yeah. And, you know, there's other layers to his game, which I like. So you feel good for him. And it was, I'm not going to lie, that was a pretty cool moment where, yeah, you know, eight years removed from being in the organization, first entering the organization, working so hard to get back in it. It's, it's pretty cool to call a goal like that as well alongside Batch because yeah. you know what kind of work has been going behind the scenes and Guillaume Brisebois I know in the off seasons he works out with Pierre-Luc Dubois and a few other guys and and those guys and have been in the NHL for some time and this guy's been working at it year after year and now he's here and he gets a moment like that we were talking about him the other day and it was just very much like hey, this is someone that constantly is just you never hear a peep from mm -hmm. Guillaume Brisebois you never hear people like oh the Brisebois camp is you never hear any of that just gets his opportunity game number 22 right like this is slow progress but he's gotten here and gets his reward obviously with the contract and then uh pots in the goal and yeah i, I know you use that term right deep looking like jovo with the fives coming down the ice but like that's a heady play to jump into that play and nils Oman, we should give him some credit yeah. back to the net play. Yeah. back to the net back to the play slides it perfectly and uh, Breezeball there to, to bury it. But that whole play was just so smooth. And you saw Dakota Joshua make the play in his own zone, just chips it off the boards. Connor yep. Garland gets mm -hmm. it up to Neil Zoman. Uh, the way that they were just on the same page, uh, you know, a great opportunity uh, for Guillaume Breezeball, and he finished uh, just an excellent sequence of events there. Yeah, and, you know, it was a great performance tonight uh, by the Canucks defensemen, including Guillaume Breezeball, Thatcher Demko, great performance between the pipes. And, a lot of scoring up front, and including the guy who had three points in the evening, Brock Besser, joining us now outside the Canucks locker room. And, and Brock, I mean, you guys have now won five in a row, and it's been quite the change in terms of the mood around the team and another big win against a team that, you know, is a strong opponent here in the Western Conference. Like, How good are you guys feeling about your game right now? 
Yeah, for sure. I think we're definitely feeling pretty good. Um, you know, I think you know, starting to get these wins, we're feeling confident in the way we're playing. And I think uh, the biggest thing is that we're sticking to our system. Um, and we feel that we didn't have the, the greatest first two periods there. And then um, I think we stuck with it in the third and played the way we need to to get that win. Are, are there more playmaking opportunities from the wing or, or what's happening right now with, 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 with all the assists coming from the wing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it feels weird. I'd like to score some more goals. Uh, I had a few looks there tonight at the post and, you know, just missed one on the power play. So, um, you know, I'm going to – obviously it's uh, not been a great year for goal scoring-wise, so you got to, you know, do other things out there. But um, as long as I'm getting chances and heading in the right direction, uh, I'll be fine with it. Well, you mentioned, you know, getting a couple of early looks, and it felt like you were just buzzing in this game early. Did you did you feel like it was going to be a good night once you got a couple of those clean looks? Yeah, I think uh, – you know, right when I get that first shift and I get a, a shot like that, I think uh, it gives you confidence and, you know, kind of gets you in the game like, let's go. So, um, you know, that was a good first shift by our line, and I think it set the tone. Well, in, in terms of, you know, setting a tone but also being able to maintain it and, and playing within that discipline, how, how much, how difficult has it been or maybe, you know, how much work has gone into making that switch where you have that discipline and, and it becomes second nature instead of, you know, kind of reverting back to doing some of the things you guys were doing earlier this season? Yeah, I think we kind of went through that stretch right after break. Um, I don't think we were winning many games and we were still mm -hmm. trying to figure out the system and uh, we weren't really getting that many wins then. And, um, you know, I think we've had a lot more practice since we've kind of got home from that road trip and really have, you know, uh, you know, taking those practice slower and, and very detailed and um, really go over um, the system. So it, it's been great, and we got to keep it going. We can talk about the, the, the scores and, and, and the high scoring, but that third period was locked down, basically. Uh, we've seen this team, you know, struggle with leads. Seeing a period like that, like, what do you reflect back on from, from where you were to where you are now as a team? Yeah, I think everyone's buying in, and, um, you know, just gaining zones is so important, especially in the third period when the team's pushing like they were. Um, you know, those little battles, getting the puck out, getting the puck deep, um, short shifts, uh, kind of rolling over the lines. I, I feel everyone's buying into that, and, um, you know, everyone's holding each other accountable, and I think that plays a big part. You know, we've talked a lot about the, the games, but also the practices. You mentioned yourself, you know, getting that practice time. Uh, Rick Tockett has mentioned, uh, you know, practicing well is so important, practicing hard. Uh, do you see the benefits? You know, what's, what's been your experience of just having that practice time, but also the upped intensity um, over the last couple of weeks here? Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said earlier, I think it's more slowed, and um, we definitely uh, we, we have different drills that we go over, and um, I think we kind of hit everything in practice that we want to work on, and, um, you know, we kind of cover that in the video before we go on the ice. So I think kind of seeing it and then going out there and correcting our mistakes has um, been a big difference for us. And, um yeah, I think everyone's committed to, to getting better and, and learning. And, you know, there's so many guys out there that are helping, um, you know, the guys like the Russians and stuff. So it's been great. Hey, Brock, uh, we're going to let you go here in a second. Just quickly, Guillaume Breezeball drafted in the same year as you gets his first goal in the National Hockey League uh, tonight. That was pretty cool, wasn't it? Oh, it's so great to see. He's been phenomenal for us. Uh, you know, he plays hard. He plays smart hockey. Doesn't try to, you know, do too much out there. And, um, you know, it was just a great play by him getting up in the rush. And that was an absolute cannon in yeah. the back of the net. Hey, uh, Brock, thanks for your time, man. And uh, enjoy the rest of the yeah, evening. Thanks, guys. Uh, that is Brock Best with three points tonight. And, and on Guillaume Breezeball, I mean. And also really quick, 300th for Brock as well. 300th career point, exactly. Uh, a good one. I mean, a lot of numbers tonight. I mean, 10 Canucks players yep. had um, 
a point tonight. JT Miller had his third straight multi-point game, now has seven since Rick Tockett was hired, three by, uh, obviously, uh, Brock, Brock, Brock Besser and two points from Garland. But Guillaume Brisebois, again, I mean, it's just remarkable. You go back to 2015. Yeah. You know, same draft year as Brock Besser, and tonight, the night Brock Besser had, Brisebois gets his first game. I mean, it's it's pretty, it's pretty intense. Well, for sure it is. And I think, guys, when you start looking at, you know, the answers and – can you play a role, right, of the players that we're seeing now, whether it's in the bottom six or on the defense, the question is going to be, all right, what is real, what is not? And I'm sure you guys have been talking about that on the shows, mm-hmm. you know, what's sustainable, all of that. But you also want to see if you've got a diamond in the rough or if you've got a player that can be maybe your number six defenseman, number seven defenseman, wherever. And that's what this regime was really good at in Pittsburgh, where they were able to find players that were working the minors and they started to play a system or a way that matched up with that skill level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can go through the names in Pittsburgh, but I think you're starting to see a little bit of that here at the NHL level. Guillaume Brisebois is a classic example. I've really liked what Noah Juleson's been able to do. Yeah. He sets the tone with a big hit on Glenn Denning early on in this game. and you Draws know, a penalty draws, from that yeah. hit. Draws a penalty. And, yeah, you know, in 14 minutes of ice time or roughly there, that's what he's generally getting on a night-to-night basis. You know, can you make a positive impact? Are you noticeable for the right reason? And Breezewall gets a goal today. Juleson has a big hit, draws that extra penalty. These guys are showing something. And they might be a very small piece of the puzzle moving forward. But the fact is, can you give a positive contribution? And we're seeing that from a few guys here, which is, you know, which is a part of the things you want to look at trade deadline and beyond. Who is a part of, you know, an answer, whether it's a small part or a big part? One thing that stands out, too, uh, just on the identification part, that's the management side of it, the talent identification. But it really feels like they're not being asked to do things that they aren't equipped to do. Like there's yeah. so many times we would see pinches from guys from such distance that don't have the recovery speed to get back. You watch now, it's like there's not a lot of bad pinches. Guys are way more predictable. Yeah. And way more selective of when they pinch. There was I'm just trying to think back tonight, like maybe two. There's one that led to a two-on-one chance mm-hmm. uh, where Myers, and even then he, he kind of got halfway and stopped and pulled up and started to try to make it as difficult as possible. But just stuff like that is gone. And like you remedy the mistakes before the inventive part of, hey, go have fun playing yeah. hockey. They've taken away the mistakes. And that was so frustrating about the first you know 40 games is mm-hmm. – it was mistakes, repeated mistakes, consistent mistakes, and the same mistakes. It was, it was mistake-filled hockey. And yes, it's a game of mistakes, but what are the ones that you can control? And now they're just playing cleaner. Well, to that point, it's not like one of these games, or this game was like one of the ones where you saw a really no, a low number of giveaways. No, they had more than the Dallas Stars tonight. But did they compound that, to your point? Did they start chase, uh, start chasing in their own zone or the neutral zone? They don't do that so much anymore. There was one, you know, pinch into the neutral zone where Tyler Myers advances, but Sheldon drives his back there. He's ready to go. He's identified that the defenseman on the right-hand side is taking a bit of a chance. But that connectivity yeah, and, and not compounding is, is – we're seeing that, right? And for the most part, it happens. And when it doesn't happen, it's notable. And, I mean, the goal that Wyatt Johnson scores happens on Noah Juleson pinching, then mm-hmm. Connor Garland not being able to make up that way in transition, right? And doesn't make up – doesn't cover for his teammate. Now, we don't see as many of those instances, yep. right? But those things would happen consistently time and time again. And eventually, the dam would break on your goaltending. And let's get to the goaltending here before we let you go here, Randy. I mean, Thatcher Demko. I mean, what else do we say about the guy coming back from injury? And he looks 
incredible. Like he, he looks like the same goalie we saw last year be one of the top net miners in the NHL. Yeah, and he's you know you can't criticize his play in any which way. And I know you know Jamie Ben when he scores that goal on the power play. Ben's on a heater right now. So mm. I, I know, you know, there might have been some criticism online. To me, that's just a hot shooter right now that's coming in with speed. He's got options to his right and left. And as a goalie, y- you're going to have to play it a certain way. I didn't. And nice Breezebaugh, head fake, too. And I think Breezebaugh may get a bit of it. Like, his stick kind of gets sure. in the shooting lane a little bit. Doesn't get it all. Like, not to blame him, but. Yeah, but for, for me, that like that's not, I don't blame Thatcher on that one at all. I look at the way that he's playing and, you know, 928 save percentage heading into this game, giving his team confidence. And that's what he is capable of doing. He's capable of stealing these games, but he's not required to. So you're not overworking him either. A team like Dallas is supposed to outshoot the Vancouver Canucks. They're a skilled team. But guys, yeah, Thatcher Demko is giving his team confidence every single night, and that's all you can really ask for. Yeah. Now, Randy, great stuff as always, calling the game here alongside Brendan Batcher. We'll let you get on with the rest of your evening, and we'll chat with you again on Thursday when the Canucks are on the road in Arizona. Thanks very much, guys. Talk then. Yeah, you got it. That's uh, Randy Janda, and you can keep getting your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 650-280-0650. You're toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar, and we do have a lot of reaction on our text inbox, 650-650 here, Boy, do we ever. And, you know, let's just get into it here. Um, this one says, five straight wins, ten points, eight spots from the bottom and first overall pick. Winning meaningless games this time of year completely pointless. There's a lot of that coming in, but also Robbie people saying... Robbie and Burnaby, I'm sure we'll fondly reminisce about the yes. winning streak when we're drafting outside <laughs> the top ten. Yeah, uh, not everybody, though, feels that way. This one says, a rising tide floats all boats, as in this is a good thing that's happening right now. And uh, Jazzy says, all I can say about this run is facepalm. So <laughs> that's, uh, just that's how he's feeling. It's just going to come down to September and November, or September and October, right? Like, that's when the double downs will happen. Like it's all well and good to do this now. They're doubling down on the fact that like the players better do this in day one of training camp. That's that's all this is going to come down to. Yeah, I mean, I, I get this frustration and and to discern what's real. This productive play right now better happen in in, in October. Yeah, I mean, otherwise this is like completely useless, right? And 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 honestly, given the the roster turnover we've we've already seen here, Bic, right? Like we've already seen them trade Bo Horvat. They moved Luke Shen. Um, obviously, to a lesser extent, you know, guys like Curtis Lazar got traded as well. But I think the turnover is going to keep happening this off season. So I think with the new coach, if you keep turning the roster over and you make some additions to the team then I think it's likely that whatever we're seeing now will stick next year because it's completely culture change, like a completely different leadership too. Even though a lot of the same characters are here, you have a different captain. Your captain is gone. There's a different way you're going about things. So I think there's a chance that you can apply these things to next year, and I feel like it's more likely to be sustainable. But fool me once, shame on you. Mm-hmm. Fool me twice. Shame on me, and people have been fooled twice. Like, last year was the second time he got fooled, right? This was la- this, this is how a lot of fans feel. They say, okay, the first year, the North Division the year, they worked hard. Okay, the second year, oh, that was on me. I felt, I thought this worked. This time, it's like very gun-shy, and I think everybody kind of feels that way, and I can't fault you feel, for feeling that way, but it is somewhat similar to the discussion we've had about the overall philosophy of the organization and the overall game plan of where they're trying to go, and it's like, even though it's a rebuild on the fly like we saw under the previous regime, 
the previous regime didn't have a 23-year-old Elias Pettersson. They didn't have a 23-year-old Quinn Hughes. They didn't have Thatcher Demko between the pipes. They didn't have a lot of these pieces. And I can say that in terms of what we're seeing now and with how this team is playing, well, they're doing things differently than what were happening, what was happening last year. And the actual changes to the core that needed to happen are happening. So is should we also look at it as this time it could be different? Okay, Charlie Brown. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I made the no, joke. Right. I made you're the joke right. on TV today. It's like you know how like how you find yourself in the same situation all the time, and then you tell your friends, oh, "No, she's different." I'm telling you, this time is different. No, no, I know what you guys are saying. I know what you guys are saying, but trust me, this time it's different. That, it's kind of a bit of no, that. No, I'm with you. I've said the same thing, right? Like if you're playing functionally better hockey, you can understand why it will change. Look, it is still on the management group to put more talent into the team. We can talk about how that's going to happen because they're pressed up against the cap and they're going to have to solve many, many, many things. And only Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford really know the answer of what's forthcoming in the offseason. But if, 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 if this is the same defense that comes back next season, then I have my doubts. If we see some change and they play this style of hockey – yeah, then there's reason for optimism. Yeah. Because this is far more functional hockey. I, I, t- to the point, Sad, I, I want to go back and watch a game in December. Just to rewatch. I don't know if you want to do that to yourself. <laughs> just to rewatch and see. Like, how did how did they think this was going to work? Because there is way, I don't know, Randy abused the word connectivity. So much more of that. Like Joshua poking that puck free. Garland, who. You know, as the primary guy on the line who has to handle the puck, he looks fantastic uh, being able to dictate play with the puck on his stick. He had that great pass to Kuzmenko. Like, he looks like he's full of confidence. They're, they're, they're tailoring play to players' ability. Yes. They're asking players to perform in roles that they can perform in. Seems, seems like a novel concept. <laughs> It works, and, and you know, and it's not sixty percent of the time. It works, it works all the time, and it's not perfect because, like, even tonight and in, in some of the other games, they've been outchanced at times and you know outcontrolled at times. But it's not falling apart and relying on a great goaltender. And because you don't fall apart, the goaltender who's great now has a better chance of giving you the opportunity to win the hockey game. The and biggest wave the Stars had was at the start of the second. Yeah, and what what did Demko do? Shut it down except for one goal that he allowed at that stage, right? So I, I think they've done a tremendous job in terms of not being as permissive as they were in the past, but it's still that. There's still so many things that have to improve. And we're still sitting here and talking about, like, God bless these guys, Vic, but we're still sitting here talking about guys like Kyle Burroughs playing big minutes. We're talking about Christian Willannon and even Guillaume Brisebois. Like, Kyle Burroughs played 18-25 today, t- tonight. Juleson played 17-22. Uh, Christian Willannon, 18-54. Uh, Quinn Hughes, by the way. 24 minutes, so there, there you go. go. A lot more manageable. Was was under 25 minutes for everyone. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, they, they had the lead in the third. It was easier. They could and Breezeball played 16-01. Yeah, and you're not asking a ton from these guys. Myers played over 20 minutes tonight, and we know Myers overall with his, with his gameplay. Like, we're still talking about guys that if you're asking them to play bigger roles next year, under more pressure next year, and have to do more – there still has to be significant improvements that have to happen on the back end. But the stories are great, especially for a guy like Guillaume Brisebois. Now, we have a lot of reaction on the text inbox, 650-650. When does the new defenseman from Detroit start? That's Paul in Sunshine Coast. I don't expect him that he's going Philip Aronik. I don't think he's going on the trip here. Um, 
my best guess is, do we see him for the last couple weeks of the season? I think that's what we're looking at. If we're not seeing him skate with the club yet, that means he's at least, you know. Probably say April. Yeah, that's probably what you're looking at realistically. Uh, I do think we are going to see him before the season ends. Who plays more games, Aiden McDonough or Philip Ronick? <laughs> yeah, well, Aiden McDonough is going to join the team on the road trip here, as long as uh, snow yeah. weather permits, which it should. But if we're just talk- if we're talking April for Philip Ronick, that's seven games max. Yeah, and that's if he's available on April second. I I would probably take Ronick just because I I don't think McDonough is going to get more than three, but. Uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if we get like double-digit games for Philip Ronick at this stage, because he, again, he, like he's gonna have to skate, gonna have to practice, get through all that. Uh, I, I'd say under seven games for Philip Ronick. Under, so I think that's fair. I'd, I'd, I'd say that they're not gonna rush him in, but I'd say that. I, 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 if I had to guess, I'd say McDonough ends up playing a few more games just because he's gonna get into the lineup quicker, and we'll see how many he does stay in the lineup for, which is. The, in, the interesting part of it here. Um, guys, any time frame on Hronik, which is the question we just responded to, and this one here, changing the systems and changing the culture at training camp doesn't give them enough time. The beginning of the season is too important in terms of getting that head start now and implementing those things. F- fair enough, right? You know, there, there are positives for it. Mm-hmm. but The other thing, too, is, like, how much roster changeover will there be? Or there's going to be more. There's going to be important guys that come in to be like that weren't part of this run, right? So, but now they have better talent and figure all that out uh, come training camp. But uh, you know, there's enough time in training camp. Yes, the preseason, even if they make it shorter, is still pretty long. It is. Training camp is a couple of days. That's that's fair. That's not. But yeah, I'm fine with you implementing some things, right? And again, just make sure you hit the ground running next year. But even Rick Talkin has mentioned, like, hey. Get to Vancouver season. early. Yes. Hang like, out for a couple of weeks. There's an expectation. On some there's an expectation. Not that we can enforce it, but yeah. uh, how much better do you want to be? Yeah. Uh, this one unsigned. Jokes for 60. 15 to no incoming. Can't wait to sweep the Knights in round one. <laughs> uh, I was going to be like, well, if they go on a 21 game winning what streak. If, what, if, what if this happens? Yeah, I, t- I came in. We just got shaking your head. And Bick's like, if they actually win 20 in a row, I'm like, just stop. Not, no, it's not get gonna happen. No, what, the, don't mess up my point <laughs> that I made. The point that I made was if they go twenty-one and zero the rest of the way, then people will be like, you know what? Like next season, that's believable. Then, <laughs> like if you're a team that can win twenty-one in a row, people will say, okay, like next year you should be a team that's solid. Yes, that was the point that I make. The point, but it, it requires winning twenty-one in a row for people to be like, okay, at least this will be real next year. Yes. <laughs> That's where we're at. <laughs> yes. No, I get you. I'm just messing with you. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so many, so, so much, so much uh, optimism in the text inbox. I'm joking. This one says Con- Canucks are the consummate underdogs. That's what makes this story so great. <laughs> six fifty, six fifty jokes uh, from Tone Capone. Uh, if these wins continue, this is the team we will get next year. Jokes for 60. Jokes for 60, man. Keep them coming in. I, I appreciate it. Uh, a lot of uh, thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650, 650. You know, let's get to the phone boards as well. 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 888 We'll start off uh, in Nelson where we have Sal on the line. Sal, thanks for calling in. What do you have for us tonight? Hey, boys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I mean, it's a tough time here to be putting grades out there for these performances, but, you know, if this carries into next year, we're going to have to start um, throwing some props to management for 
kind of having a vision for this team and sticking to it and building, you know, what they said they wanted to build from the get-go here. And uh, and, and so far, it seems to be, you know, uh, going along according to plan. And, and one more thing just about the tank is just got to remember, you know, these guys seem to be learning how to win right now and with a, with a specific style. And that's going to bode so well if they can carry that through no matter what. And like you guys keep saying, the crew's going to be in the pudding in the fall of next year. But um, so far, so good, guys. Thanks for, thanks for the call. Hey, thanks for the phone call, Sal. And I'd love to see this plan succeed. You know, and, you know, we've we've discussed this too. Just because, you know, you may disagree with the type of plan mm -hmm. and the timeline that you would put in place to execute that plan, it doesn't mean this can't work. It doesn't mean they don't have a quote-unquote quote plan. You may not like that plan. We've discussed this. But they clearly do have a plan. And I don't think their plan is as whimsical as it comes off. And I think to Sal's point, like there's a real, there's a real method to their thought here in terms of the type of team they want, how they want to build that team out, and the type of expectations they want to have organizationally for their players and the environment they want to create for them. And I think if they are successful, it could look pretty good, you know? And the wait and see approach is goes back to having been burned before and, and, not and, and you know the other thing mm -hmm. is, and I don't want to spend time on the salary cap, but when you're looking at next year and you know that you're already uh, you know in need of clearing the cap space, it, you're, you're forced into a wait-and-see situation because it's an incomplete. Like I think we can always sit here and grade the trade deadline easy, and, and it's great for radio fodder and entertainment. A, B, C, fail, whatever. But the true grade is incomplete mm -hmm. because everything they did n signals there's more to come. But until the more to come happens, it's hard to really judge – where it's all going towards, right? So I think when we get to the offseason, we see some of the things happen, and if they actually have a foundation now they can build on next season, to Sal's point, we can look back at this and say, you know what, there is a real method here to what they were trying to do, and they're being vindicated. And that's not going to happen till the next season. Again, that's not going to happen till October. You know, I hate that's this. not going to happen till January. Vic, somebody's listening right now saying you guys are the worst because you guys kept saying earlier this season you're not going to trade anybody until the new year. You got to wait. You got to wait. What? What's with the waiting game? But right, that's but where we're on. at. But no, but that's hang what on. That's we were vindicated. We are. That. No, and that's the same thing now, right? My point being. As, as much as this sucks, the Canucks are in a situation where they have to kind of wait out some mm -hmm. scenarios, right? They have to wait to get to certain benchmarks. And I'm glad they got some work done, obviously, the trade deadline this year. They did a lot of work. And, you know, if you if you want to be optimistic about, about next season and building a foundation, those, th those things are happening. But, yeah, I mean, there is a pathway to success if they nail their moves. Yeah, it, it goes back to what Jim Rutherford said. Hey, the two right deals versus the two wrong deals can push you forward, can set you back, yeah. and – Right now, their two right deals would be – or the, the two deals that they are hoping are the right deals, obviously the Horvat trade and the Horonic trade. Mm -hmm. Probably still need to make more. You definitely need to make one more subtraction and hopefully make one more addition-style trade. But if you start checking off boxes and if Horonic's a hit and, – and the thing I will say, too – the talent identification so far from this management group that Sal was just trying to give props to has been really strong. Like, mm -hmm. the only two misses are pretty small misses. It's Curtis Lazar and it's Riley Stillman. And Riley Stillman, essentially what that trade turns out to is sending a second to move back into the third to dump Jason Dickinson's money. They get a third-round prospect for a second-round pick, basically. Yeah. 
that one you can kind of live with. But outside of that, like Nils Oman is starting to come on strong. Seven points in the last 15 games for Nils Oman in a depth role. Dakota Joshua, it feels like we're talking about him every postgame show right now because he's producing. Um, you go through it, and Kuzmenko is filling the net. 33 goals for Andre Kuzmenko. And guys are just filling in, fitting into roles. Anthony Beauvillier with a, a goal tonight. It's been really strong. And if Philip Ronick steps in, and you're looking at, hey, this is another guy that they've identified who they felt that was taking a leap this year, and they can give him a bigger role, and is he going to take another leap? Yeah. That could be an impressive one. And, and what else? What other work can they do in the offseason as well? Well, and yeah, and if they do get some stuff done, then we will see ultimately what happens. A lot of reaction here, 650, 650. Uh, this one says, what are plausible scenarios where OEL goes at LTR, IR like Kessler? You have to have a, yeah, a, a legitimate long-term yeah. injury to do that, and I don't think he has that. So uh, the OEL story also remains unwritten here in Vancouver. Uh, all right, uh, we'll get to more text messages. Let's get to the phone boards and take one more phone call here before we hit the break and get back with thoughts from the Canucks head coach as soon as that becomes available. And let's go to Poco where we have John on the line. John, thanks for calling in. What do you have for us tonight? Oh, hey, thanks for taking the call, Sandvika. I guess I guess I'm still probably want to be put firmly in the the camp of um, you know, I would like to see them tank a bit more and you know, not not sort of harm their draft position. And I mean I know this winning is, is probably well, I mean probably it is a good thing towards building towards next year. It's just I'm still one of these I still think and I know that's Jim Rutherford's history because that's what he did in Pittsburgh. I just think we still divested ourselves of too much draft capital. Draft capital. I still think you have to look at, you know, build, you know, this team. They also have to look at the future as well as the, you know, the long-term future as well as the immediate future. And I just, I'm just so, I just don't like losing all these draft picks. And, uh, you know, I understand, you know, they've got Hughes and Pedersen in their coming, up, like in their prime and still prime years to come, and they don't want to, you know, they don't want to be floundering. And maybe have Pedersen decide he doesn't want to resign here, but you know this goes back to the previous regime. If, if Jim Benny had traded away so much draft draft capital, maybe they could have drafted players that would be in the pipeline to help support Hughes and Pedersen. So thanks, guys. I'll, I'll let you comment. Hey, uh, thanks for the phone call. That's uh, John calling in, and and obviously the other part that has to happen is you need like there's so many things that have to happen for this team to be a contender long term. One piece is obviously the players for the now. Mm-hmm. Then you have to also have some guys that are kind of pushing and knocking on the door within the next year or two, and that's where you know, the guys like Hoagliner put Colson come in, Kraft's up who they acquired, Studnika Bear, you know, guys that can maybe be something for you. But the the next thing that has to also happen is you got to make more selections and have more prospects that in three years you have the backfield coming up. That's why this year's draft is so important. And to the point the caller is making – I'd like to see them get more picks. I'd love to see if they can get another second somehow and make that selection this year because I think it's critical that not only do they get a player or two from last year's draft and three years come in and play for you, but a couple players from this year's draft to come in. Because once Pedersen's contract kicks in, let's say Kuzmenko's a hit and you extend him to a contract. Hughes has a big deal. All of a sudden, all these guys getting paid, Hironik's getting a contract. So where are you going to get your ELCs coming in in three years and four years and five years to keep this as an eight- or nine-year window? This year's draft, last year's draft, that's where that has to happen. So, And I don't think the organization 
is dismissing those things. Clearly, the priority is the big club to get it to where it needs to get to. But absolutely, if you want to be a sustainable contender for the next five to ten years, then not only do you have to make selections, you have to develop those players, and those guys have to be part of your plan in three to four years. And even just for next year, that that's why I imagine there's been such an emphasis on finding college free agents and European free agents that are a certain age that fill a void that this team did not pick. Like, they have one top 80 pick in, in two consecutive drafts, and it was Danila Klimovich. Yeah. So you need kind of 20 to 22-year-old young players to start filling in the void. Atu Ratu is one. Philip Johansson is one. Nils Oman is one. Arshdeep Baines is one. You, you need that funnel to start producing results. And Nozomon's one that stepped in. We'll see what happens with Ratu. We'll see what happens with Philip Johansson when he comes over. Obviously, R.S.D. Baines is getting a lot of praise right now in Abbotsford. But that's for next year and the year beyond. You're talking about three, four years, and you need to build that internally with mm -hmm. draft classes. So they have a draft with Karamaki, Elias Patterson. We'll see what those guys become. But this, that next, that secondary wave has to start being generated. And, and yeah, it's a great point that They'll need more draft picks for it, and and they need to keep hitting on if they're gonna if they intend to always be aggressive on free agents of yes. college and European that you have to sustain that and you have to keep that aggressive mindset to bring these players in. And in reality, the free agents, undrafted free agents, the free agents prospects, they're really just organizational filler for you. Right, that's but, not but a that's bad the thing. Point. But, but, the, but no, my my point is that's organizational filler. It's the draft picks that you're hoping hit to become yes. home run players for you but, down the road. Like this organization is clearly prioritizing their development process. Yes, they believe that if they get something like a, a ball of clay, they think they can mold it into something. I'm not saying first liners; just they believe that they can mold it into a role that fits in their organization. And like I just look at someone like Phil Giuseppe, where I, I think he's been overlooked at times. When he first arrived, because he had like a really solid training camp in 2021. And it felt like, oh, he should have made the team then. Didn't. But it feels like there's been growth in his game to now play alongside JT Miller. And, yeah, it's spot duty, but doesn't look out of place. Yeah. It feels like they, like they are constantly betting on their development process. If we get our hands on players, we know what we're going to do, and we know we're going to push these players forward. Well, and you know what? Like, if you look at – if you want to really – talk about why guys like Will Lennon are playing well here, Breezebois playing well here. You know, Oman goes down there, comes back, looks better. Same thing for Put Coles. And what does that tell you about what they're doing with development? I think that's already showing that they are making some inroads. They are making strides. There's a lot of emphasis on it. Like, just watch tonight's game with these guys coming in and they're playing responsible hockey. They're not looking out of place. At least, at least even if they're not doing these things to, like, separate themselves, they know how to play within the confines of the system and be successful. And just being able to do that, give you professional minutes, that's big. And look, I'll say, like, it, it, it's a scary bet for fans to try to align themselves with that idea. Because, like, you get a top pick that's been hyped up and lots of talent. Fans can immediately see the reward to say, okay, big-time player stepping into the, the group soon enough. Whereas the idea of, here's this undrafted free agent or something like that, and say, okay, what's the development path? Like, we always use the term development isn't linear, and it's true, but the, the work to get from point A to point B still is something that is such a difficult process 
of what is like what is development? Yeah, it's getting better, but what does the day to day work look like? And fans are going to be able to see that. We barely get to see that, and that element is to the untrained eye and to the people that are outside is unknown. And that's scary for fans to say, oh, development is going to work all of the time for every single prospect, every single free agent they bring in. It's not true, but it's hard to assume that that's always going to happen for this group. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? But that's the bet they're making. And yeah. so, like, it, it's having success so far. If, if this is what they do, then this is what they do. But we'll see how long, how how often, and how frequently they can do that. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox six fifty six fifty. You can also grab a phone line six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty. We'll get to more of your reaction. But the head coach is next. Rick Tockett, as a Canucks Central post game show rolls on, Canucks win five two over the Dallas Stars right here on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet six fifty and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the Canucks Central post-game show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Pressure by Haskin and passes into the slot for Miller. He scores! Time laser beam off the stick of JT Miller goes bar down, and it's 5 2 Vancouver with 3.01 left in the third. Canucks win 5 2, beating the Dallas Stars. Second time they've beaten them in a couple of weeks, and Thatcher Demko shutting the door yet again against the Stars. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar and JT Miller, two points on the night. Now up to 62 points in 64 games, Bick. Seven multi-point performances since Tocca was hired, and now three in a row. JT Miller is piling up the points, and right now he's second in team scoring. And with the way it's going right now, are you betting against him being over point a game by the time the season ends? Yeah, I I thought... thought thought we agreed to that last game. We did agree to it last game. Yeah, right. but, but now it's like, to 85? me, the, yeah, to me, the question is, is he going to hit, yeah, I guess 83, 85, somewhere in that range? I mean, it's it, by the time by by the time it's all said and done, it's going to be his second most productive season uh, as a National Hockey League player, and it's been one that's been very tumultuous with uh, the criticism he's faced and the lack of, um, you know, patience people have had with him, uh, with, with how JT has played this season and I mean it's always going to be a conversation of Bo Horvat versus JT Miller because both guys have long-term contracts and the Canucks kept one and traded the other one but right now I know a lot of fans are, are feeling like hey maybe it wasn't so bad that the Canucks held on to JT and traded Bo because the way he's scoring points at least you know the production is going to be there yeah I, I suppose they are intertwined but I, I would say like close your ex-partner's Facebook page, the the Instagram page. You don't need to keep logging on to check it out. Yeah. Well, I mean, somebody texted in. I wonder what the market's opinion is on the Horvat versus Miller debate. Horvat has two goals and three assists in his last 13 games. Seems like he's underperforming based on what New York paid for him. Miller's playing really well, and New York is trending towards making the playoffs. Sounds like things are lining up with this trade being a this trade deadline being a W. So that's an optimistic text about JT versus Bowen and how the W may be in the Canucks side of things. Well, it, the, the W will, will come to fruition if Aturatu is legit. 
If Aturatu's legit. And you got Heronic out of it. And you got Heronic out of it. Okay, then that's a W. And I'm talking like solid third line legit for Aturatu. Maybe even higher, but at the very, very minimum, defensive star, strong down the middle. That like that's a big win, and you get long service years out of Aturatu. That would be a big W, and then Filipronic as well. Uh, certainly would uh, springboard any threading of the needle of this retool. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. but as far as JT versus Bo. Hey man, have that. People are texting yeah. in. I'm reading text. Somebody said, "Hey, we'll read the text. We'll we'll read the text." Somebody texted in and said, "Hey, enough with the off season talk. You know, talk about the game." It's like, hey, but wait, people texting and call in. They they bring that stuff up and we react and we talk about yep. it. It's a bit of everything that comes in. Cam from Vic and others have texted this in using a Mandalorian reference. This is the way. Is, is the Mandalorian coming back? Is this? It's already back. Oh, okay. Sorry. It's already back. I I don't watch it. You're acting new. Is that also a Mandalorian? No. Oh. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> You're just roasting me? <laughs> just for the Jeez. sake of it. <laughs> just for the sake of it. What Mandalorian? It's been out for like a couple weeks. Anyways, uh, keep your thoughts coming into our tech. 656-50. Our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 604-280-0650. We'll get to your phone calls as well. But before we do that, here is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 5-2 win. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously you guys are excited. Uh, yeah, that's a tough team over there. You know, uh, we knew it was going to be a tough game. Um, but, I, I, you know, when you play at Dallas Stars when you're fifth, I mean, it's obviously a feather in the guys' caps. You know, they, uh, they deserve a lot of praise right now. How good do you feel for Dion Greenfield? Yeah, that was big. You know, we talked about getting the, the D up in the play. That was a great play. Um, the whole play, I mean, you know, that's a big goal for us to, to kind of loosen up the pressure. I know you haven't been here very long, but you get a sense for the, the kind of player and the kind of person he is when you see how happy guys were with him. Yeah, the whole bench was – yeah, I, I see a lot of that lately. Guys are happy for each other. That's, that's, that's a good thing when you have – that's good teammates, when you have people happy for other people. Tonight, it wasn't just Breezeball uh, contributing to, yeah. to the bottom of the line. You get an assist from Willamette and Amon sets up the goal and Giuseppe scores. And I mean, these are all guys who have spent time. What does that tell you? What does it say for you? Yeah, I, I, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I got affection for those guys. Those guys are trying to make the NHL, right? And uh, they bought in right away. Yeah, they're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Uh, but the next next shift or the next practice, they pick themselves up. I love that about them. Um, the PKs got better. And, you know, I thought Juleson had a really good second half. Like, he was a guy that uh, thought his play was getting better. There was some tough spots a few, yeah, three, four games ago, but I've, I've seen him get better, and I thought his penalty kill was great. So, you know, to win in this league, you have to your bench has to contribute, and we're getting it from everybody. What do you think they're doing right down there now that's put together this whole proposal? <clears throat> well, I think they got great coaching down there. I really, uh, Jeremy and uh, Gary Agnew, I, I know Ags from back in the day, um, just solid guys. You know, and the Twins are helping. Now, you know, they're down there every practice. I mean, you could tell they're doing the right stuff down there. Um, and it's it's obviously helps me when you bring guys up and they know what they're doing. You talked to Brock, or you talked about Brock the other day, saying that he needs to be more consistent, needs to get in on the forecheck a bit more. He says that you also communicated that message to him. What did you see from him in that area today? Yeah, I, I've seen the last couple of games, I've seen some stuff that um, we need him to do. There's a couple of wall battles he won. Um, near the end, he made a play the other night um, when the pressure was on. That was a great play to Millsy tonight. So. You know, he's the type of guy, if he could just, you know, he's got to get a little bit better on the forecheck and just win those. You know, I don't need him to win every wall battle, but just participate in that. He's a, he could be a really good player for us. 
you know, like we said, the past is the past. I don't care what, what's happened in the past with him. He's a, he could be a very good player with him, but, you know, I think this is a big summer for him, too, uh, coming in uh, to next year. There's a lot of good that's been happening, but someone suggests that it's a lot easier to do what you're doing right now yeah. as a team, given the fact that there is no pressure. Uh, what, do you, what do you make of that? I mean, I, you can't, we can't, you know, we can't win for losing. You know, if we lose, they'll, they'll be pissed. You'll win. You'll, I, I really don't care. We, we come every day. I know what I got to do as a coach. Um, and that's to, to, to get the best out of each player, uh, put a team system together, to create an atmosphere. That's my job, uh, and the players have bought in. And, uh, you know, whatever happens, happens. I mean, I, I can't uh, – that's a hard – you know, how do I answer that? Well, what, do you, what, do you think of the, what do you think of the takeaways that are sustainable for next year? Yeah, I mean, I get it. I get it. You know, I've, I've read it. You know, the, you know, I haven't been here, but, you, you know, I, they, somehow they have a push at the end when it doesn't matter. I mean, I've heard it it's the last couple – I think it's the last couple of years, right? You know, we got to change that narrative. It's, it's up to us to change that narrative. Great to game going into yeah. third against a very good road team. And I think you gave up five shots until the late power play. Is how pleased were you with <clears throat> Yeah, I just like the way, you know, uh, I, I, I knew when I came in here, we, we, you know, I talked to you guys about it, we had to defend the puck. You know, obviously, you, know, you want to be creative. And I think we've been really creative in the offensive end. It's not like we've taken, you know, I've taken anything away from the creativity. It's just defend the puck. We're defending the puck harder. You know, we're blocking shots. Um, you know, guys that aren't the best defensive guys are, are participating in, in, in that, and it's confectious, right? Um, you know, that's what I'd like to see. You know, a guy blocking a shot uh, that usually doesn't block it, you hear our bench screaming. Like, they love that stuff. So it's, uh, you know, you get, in this league, you gotta, you got to win defending the puck. You just can't, you know, you can't get in shootouts and win. You know, the, odd, the odd night, yes, but consistently the best teams defend the puck well. You talked about Besser potentially being a very good player for you guys. Yeah. Do you think he needs to be a goal scorer to <clears> be that player? Because he gets three assists tonight. And you're talking about board mm. battles, not necessarily scoring goals. No, I mean, he's, listen, he's an offensive guy. Um, I just need him to play, you know, a 200-foot game, uh, you know, concentrate on that too. And, he, and he, I think he's trying to do that. You know, and, you know, he's, uh, you know, like I said, there's a couple of big plays the last couple of games he's made. He can make those plays. Seems like you've created a lot of offense from guys being relentless on the forecheck yeah. late. What does that do for buy-in when guys <clears throat> see the results that the forecheck? Yeah, the forecheck's been good. And I, to me, the tracking, uh, the back-checking is something that we can control as a team. Like, I think we've been doing a really good job on the back-check. And that, to me, is effort, you know, uh, and the guys know that it's just not me making them accountable. They know if you know a guy doesn't back check, he's not hustling. He's probably going to miss a shift. It's just the way it is. And the players, the players will come off and they'll tell the guy, "Hey, come on, you got to get back." So it's not just me being uh, the players accountable. It's the players making themselves accountable. And that's big. Sounds like you've got a bench full of coaches now. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> no, they listen. You got to empower your leadership group. I, w I told you guys when I first came here. You know that leadership group's got to. You know, I think Quinn Hughes' leadership has just been through the roof the last six weeks. Like, he's vocal. You know, obviously, Millsy's Millsy and, and Petey. Petey's been very vocal uh, coming in the office, you know, talking. Like, I, I love that stuff. You know, that's, it's, their, it's their room. It's not mine. So, uh, you got to give them the torch every once in a while. You double-shifted Petey at one point. Dry sat, dry sat for a bit. Was that more to get Petey going? Or maybe no, no, no. No, I just, uh, you know, just wanted to get Petey a little bit of time there. Um and get them with the, the, the Kratzy and the Pazzi. Just I do that every once in a while. I try, try to do a, a shift. I like – Ken Hitchcock used to do that. You'd, he'd put the – no, I, I like that. The, 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 he'd put his best centerman with the fourth line guys. I like that.
That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 5-2 win over the Dallas Stars. And obviously a lot of praise for uh, a number of players and how this team has been able to play and, and how they're able to get results at this stage of the season here, Pick. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he, he said men, you mentioned one thing there about them talking. You know, he was kind of talking about uh, off the ice and in the locker room. But you, you generally do hear them speaking a lot more on the ice and – you know, from, from our vantage point, we can hear the communication. Like the sends on the weekend were very loud on the bench, right? Yes. You can hear them talking either to themselves or the refs the whole evening. Like these last two weeks, you can hear the Canucks chatting a lot more, which is an encouraging thing because, you know, one of the things to be positionally sound is probably having your teammates help you out, knowing when to pressure, mm-hmm. when to fall back, what space to go to because the game moves so fast. You can hear the Canucks a lot more, so it's good to hear that uh, the coach also acknowledging that as well. I noticed a couple of times, and I thought the coach mentioned this even earlier today, saying that it's not just the veteran guys that are being loud and vocal, and also in the in the dressing room is the new guys coming up. And there's a few instances I noticed Christian Wolanin being very vocal on the ice, and there's a couple of instances where he was directing Kraftsov. There was mm-hmm. one shift in particular. They were trying to defending in their own zone, and well, Lannon was—you could really tell he was—he was not yelling in a negative way, but kind of directing crafts off to pressure the point. And he does to get the puck out of the offense, out of their own zone. And those are the moments where you see a player who's a young player, or not a young player, a guy who's come up from the AHL career, kind of journeyman guy, but has the confidence now to come out and do these things. And it, listening to the head coach who wants these guys to communicate, so you're seeing some positives here in terms of how they're communicating on the ice for a team that has been very quiet in this regard for pretty much the last couple of seasons. Crager in Lagley, 650-650. Is Adam Foote getting enough credit for improved defensive positioning, shot-blocking, decision-making? Really, the, the coaching staff on a whole, uh, the ones that have been brought in here. Sergei Gonchar obviously plays a role in this too. Uh, certainly, just in general, and, and Burnaby uh, Die text in, uh, nicest Nice change to see the drama-free defense where small missteps aren't leading to D-zone panic and chaos in the last few games. Credit to the new coaching trifecta or to Demko's calming influence and building winning habits from the goaltender out. It's not any one thing. Certainly multiple Mm. things can be true here, Sat, and everything just in the D-zone just looks a little bit calmer. There aren't prolonged stretches. There was essentially a seven-minute stretch there in the second period, which was the most... Nondescript. Yeah. I mean, how many times did we sit here and talk on the post game show? Can you give us some nondescript yeah. hockey, low event hockey? And they're doing that, you know. And it's boring sometimes. But that's and a there's good a thing. lot of minutes in a game, yeah. in a season, right? Like there's five thousand minutes you got to bank. You know, in teams the course that, of a season, and teams that are able to play low event hockey are going to be teams that usually are more successful because they're not going to have too many, you know, real bad swings throughout a season because they won't fall apart as badly. And that's you know the benefit of doing those types of things. Uh, Tyler from Kitchener, Ontario. Hi, guys. I live in Kitchener, so staying up for games is tough with work in the morning. But I'd like to say that what I saw in this game was a marked improvement in terms of playing with pace and high intensity that has made me want to tune back in more when I can and has me looking forward to next season. So there is that side of things in terms of watching Kohee. Like, the way they were playing hockey, Bick, if you're an actual hockey fan, even if they were scoring goals, you weren't respecting how they were playing. It wasn't fun. It was, it was actually enraging watching a team have such bad habits even if they like how many games did we watch and it was like oh it was exciting at least like yeah it's exciting but these they're playing pond hockey talking because they were winning seven six in ot versus montreal but it wasn't five and ot but it was really bad hockey it was like yeah sure seven six you know uh beer league type of hockey but that's not going to bring you any type of success 
that's not a way to play. It's not respectable hockey. Rick Talkin just mentioned, like, if you're going to win games, it starts in the defensive zone. And, and that's what we've seen, right? Like, this is just the foundation of what you want to see this build out to. Yes. I, I, again, with with talent that they hopefully acquire this offseason, this to me is just the starting point. I, I, I don't think they'll play the same way, this low event, if new players are put into this. If it's the same defense, same team, okay, we might see low event hockey. Yes. But if there's another defensive acquisition that's competent and qualified and maybe a bit more speed put into this lineup in the forward ranks, then you play your personnel. And Elias Pettersson and JT Miller and Andre Kuzmenko and Ilya Mikheyev, like they're fast, high-processing players. And you'll probably see them try to be a bit more creative because right now they're trying to mask up as, as much as they can and protect the house, basically. Yeah, and you make life easier for your great goaltender. And your great goaltender came through, right? And he did it in a big way. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text in box 650-650. We'll get to more of those. Let's go back to the phone boards here. 604-280-0650. Uh, and let's go to Maple Ridge where we have Jeff on the line. Jeff, thanks for waiting patiently. What do you have for us tonight? Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Uh, good Good, good night for the Canucks, as always. Um, and I, I will apologize by being the cynic here and saying that we've seen this not just last year, but the year before and the year before, where we, we take a run when it's when it's too late, the hopes get up um, for next season. And you just hope that they'll be able to continue. You know, five games is a, is a small sample size, as we knew when Boost Boudreaux came in and, and changed the atmosphere. So... Uh, I'll be a bit of a, uh, I'll be a bit cynical when it comes to getting too excited uh, with regards to what's happening right now, mm-hmm. um, considering how deep the draft is. But one thing, a couple of things, if I may, what I do notice about this team that I'm liking is we're not getting skated, we're not getting um, skated off the ice like we were in, uh, in in previous games. I like I like the size of our forwards. And I like the fact that we are uh, skating with teams, competing with teams. And I believe Talkit uh, actually mentioned how the back check. That's one thing I'm noticing very much. I think we could still do better coming out of our own zone. Yeah. But the actual effort that these guys are giving, um, whether it is that whether or not that they are going for NHL jobs, you can see that they are competing and competing at a very high level, and are never in a position where they are. Uh, you're, you're just wondering if, if guys just aren't going through the motions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a couple of things from tonight's game particularly that I, that I noticed is Demko is a real deal, and he's at a price point that makes a ton of sense for this team. So to move him along, uh, I, I could never understand why that would make sense. And I also like Kuzmenko's contract as well, again, at a price point that makes sense for this team when you're talking both both of those players in the fives, not in the sixes or sevens, but in fives, and that's where this team needs to be when it when it's looking to fill up the fill up the roster spots, you know. Yeah. Love, hey, Jeff. Good I, run there. Thank, thanks love, for the phone. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the phone call. Good run. Uh, get the gist of what you're saying here. And no, he's right about there have been some marked improvements and. I don't blame anybody for coming in and then saying, hey, they, they have to prove this to me again. We've seen this in the past. Like, we've seen all that before, obviously, and they got to come back. And 
I think he's right in terms of the breakouts. They still can improve. And that's why, as much as we're seeing good things from this defense, and these are all journeymen doing a fantastic job, and it's been fantastic watching them. And I think you should be feeling pretty good about the depth the team has for next year. If you're keeping Juleson around to his RFA, you know Breezeball is coming back. We'll see about Will Lannan. If injuries happen, if, if they're your depth defenseman, that's a pretty good spot. But they still have to be able to impose their will on teams. Mm -hmm. and you're not going to be able to do that unless you cleanly get out of your own zone and pressure teams in waves. They don't have that yet because they only have Quinn Hughes, essentially, right? And that's where Heronik's going to come in. But that's the next portion of taking the step, step as a team because it's one thing to be, be good at, to your point, protecting the house and not making too many egregious mistakes which lead to goals against. It's another to impose your will on a, on a game. Yeah. And for you to control, and, and you be the one who dictates against somebody else consistently. And now you're talking about taking the step from being a team that's on the bubble to being a playoff team and then becoming a contending hockey team. And for you to get there, it goes back to what we talked about for so long, is that personnel improvement on the back end. Because if you get that with the forward group you have in a goaltending and the structure, now you got something you're cooking with. That's why last post game I was talking about like it's on management now. The coaching has kind of proven that they can say, "Hey, we're we're playing the type of structure you wanted to see," and it's obviously hand in hand. This is their coach that they chose. This is the style that they want to play. They're executing that part of it, and they're doing what they can with the personnel that they have. This is going to be on management to go into this off season and not do what they did last summer. They held firm with the def defense that they have. You know, we were talking to Yannick last week uh, on Canuck Central, and he kind of said, you know, told you so. You came back with the de same defense, and look what happened. And that's been his tune all throughout the course of the season. And if they come back with most of the same D-men, then you're going to have to play a little event hockey, and it's going to be a lot tougher. Teams are going to adjust to you. Teams are going to figure out the talent gap, and eventually that's going to be too much. If there's another addition on top, on top of Philip Ronick. Now we're talking about a different story. And to Jeff's point, yeah, you'll probably start getting out of the zone a bit cleaner. Because it's a great point. Like, there are, there are still some struggles. They don't always result in mistakes now. But is it slower and methodical? Do they go DDD, one pass to the forward who scoops back and settles everything down? They just try to get to the red line and dump it in? Yeah, there's a lot of that. But th there's not blind turnovers so much anymore. And, and those and are the things. Like, th they've taken away mistakes, which is a huge first step. But now, beyond mistakes, creativity will follow. But to have creativity, you need players that are qualified to do it. And they, like, that's the next step is it's on management to find this wave of, of talent. And we'll see what that, what that looks like because uh, they have to – and get rid of some money first before they start bringing more in. And honestly, if you want to look at it, like which one, which of these guys here who played tonight on the back end could be surprised next season? Could it be a Brisebois? Could it be a Wolanin to make the club next season? And you know, those are the other things based on this game that I know some fans are wondering about. And again, the answer yeah. is going to be we'll see what happens coming up in training camp as far as next season is concerned. All right, let's get back to the phone board. Take one more phone call before we hit the break and come back with more player reaction after a 5-2 Canucks win over the Dallas Stars. And let's go to Cody, who's on the line. Cody, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Hey, boys, how's it going? Yeah, I just got a couple comments here. Um, I just think uh, our management group from the top down, I, I, we are, we're in good hands here. These guys are all winners. They all have rings from Rutherford down to our coaching staff. They're all winners. We don't have that quite on our team yet, but I think it'll come. It's been about a year and a half, a little over, since the new management group's taken over, and I think we're finally starting to see 
like some of their work, but there's still a lot to do. That's for sure. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Quinn Hughes gets to see. I think next year when we, our team has a captain and all the letters are dished out, it'll be good. And I just think this coach is unreal. Uh, YouTube, some talk at highlights. The guy demands respect. He's yeah. earned his respect. And I just think it's going to go a long way with the team overall. Thanks, boys. Hey, thanks for the phone call. Top team. Top team. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the phone call. That's uh, Cody calling in from uh, Port Moody. And, you know, Rick, talk. it makes a good point about everybody in this organization that's in a in a big power-broking decision-making position. Rick, talk of the head coach. Um, you know, Patrick Alvin, the GM, and Jim Rutherford, they've all been part of winning organizations. So, yeah, they all understand what it takes, and and hopefully they get it right. Because if they do, then we'll have a lot of fun on these postgame shows next season and not talking about quote-unquote meaningless winning streaks late in the season, uh, something people have been referring to. All right, we'll get to more of your reaction as the show goes on here. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. We are going to hear from Canucks players postgame, including Guillaume Brisebois. What an incredible story. Drafted in 2015. Took eight years almost, nearly eight years for him to get his first National Hockey League goal, and he does it on the same week where he signs a two year contract extension. We'll hear from him and more as the Canucks Central Post Game Show rolls on on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Back to more Canucks Central Post Game Show coverage. This is where you talk Canucks on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks get it out to center. Here's Garland, left wing of the red line. Plays it into the Dallas zone for Neil Zoma. Backhand pass into the slot. Guillaume Brisebois scores his first NHL goal. And the Canucks lead 4-2. Brisebois, what a night for him. Gets a two-year contract this week and now gets his first National Hockey League goal. And the Canucks win 5-2 over the Stars here at Rogers Arena. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. And as always, keep your thoughts flooding in to our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox 650-650. And as always, Bick, we have a lot of lively and fun reaction. Uh, jokes per 60, they're always welcome. And uh, there's a few of them coming in here that, that are pretty good. This one... Um, is from Fonz in Vancouver. When do we start playoff watch? This is jokes per 60 unless we win another three in a row, then anything can happen, right? That's Fonz in Vancouver. So, some people believing Sorry, in Sorry, what were you saying? I was uh, was looking up the Winnipeg Jets schedule. Did you text in as Fonz in Vancouver? <laughs> no, but many people have uh, texted in that sentiment. And just to be fair to those texters, I wanted to look it up, that's all. And say, hey, what would it take? And so I just kind of looked it up. I was looking at the Winnipeg Jets schedule. So they're, they're on pace for 95 points, which is what the Canucks would max out at. And they're on pace for 95. The Canucks would have to win every single game just to get to 95. to 95 points. Yeah. Yeah. So the Winnipeg Jets play Boston. On <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Stop. Stop. Then they play Nashville. Stop. And it, it, it's, a, it's a road game at 11 a.m. sad. Like, that, like those are tough. <laughs> those are tough. What if they go? I mean, then they, it's a back-to-back in St. <laughs> Louis. Sneaky, sneaky schedule. Sneaky, 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 <laughs> sneaky. You never know Anyways. what can happen. Anyways, I, I was just, I was just looking. I up. mean, the Canucks are, are just a cool 16 points behind the Winnipeg Jets yeah. with two games in hand. That, that's it. If they win their two games in hand, they're a measly 12 points behind. I'm joking. I'm joking. Jets. But I just wanted to look because we are getting a lot of those right. texts. I, I wanted, I did want to look it up. Yes. Uh, this this question though says, is it fair to say that with a healthy Demko, this club would be in the playoffs? 
Um, with how they played, I don't know if a healthy Demko would have been enough, but they'd certainly be closer to it if they had made a change, you know, that they'd be in the mix a bit more. I, I, I think so. But they're playing so poorly, and, and Demko was struggling earlier this season too with his form. It's hard to say, but absolutely. If you had a healthy Demko, if they had Demko playing well all year, then yes. Yeah, totally. But, he, but let's not forget, like, he really struggled to start the season as Three well. Three two. People forget. Like, there are takes, and you brought it up, the text messages. You have the receipts. People texting in and saying, the trade November? Demko. Oh my goodness. Spencer Martin's the guy. The November texts we got of <laughs> Demko and Spencer Martin were wild. Very much like... Got to run with Spencer Martin as much as possible, and then literally three months later it was completely different. I don't, I don't know if I still have the uh, all the texts now because I, I kind of read them all on the show one day, but they were I don't want to say out of pocket, but they were. <laughs> speaking of small sample sizes, because uh, we're getting roasted for our small sample size uh, confirmations, apparently. I mean, it's insane. We have people. Uh, this person texts in and says. I, I can't think of any reasons to listen to you guys anymore. Just a couple of wet blankets. Enjoy the win. So uh, that one. You get that. And then we also get people saying, um, you're you're hyping up JT Miller too much. It's a small sample of JT being good. JT Miller. 280 points now in 267 games. So he's played 267 games as a Vancouver Canuck, and he's over a point per game. Is that a small sample? No. I don't think that's a small sample. So the people are texting in and saying we're being homers, and somebody's te- texting in and saying we're wet blankets. So we're getting a bit of everything here on the text message. That's how you know we're right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite was the person who texted in and said, if it was up to you guys, you would have traded JT. Oh, my goodness. Vic and I both, like, almost lost it. No one's taking it in the teeth more than you and I and Riccio. Remember earlier this year when Bo was scoring and people were like, remember you said you want to keep JT over Bo, you idiot? Yeah. <laughs> I do remember. Y'all are two in the middle. Well, somebody again. 650, 650. Keep coming with the text. Listen, here, here's the thing. I praise things that need to be praised, and I criticize things that need to be criticized. Uh, we got a text because people are wondering for solutions of what they could do on the blue line. As we've referenced, they obviously have to inject more talent into it. Uh, this one, unsigned. Can you please talk about the possibility of Keandre Miller offer sheet, RFA, <laughs> uh, in New York? Uh, New York's uh, got plenty of money. Uh, that's the thing. They're going to have uh, upwards of 16 to $17 million in cap space. Yeah, so. and how many picks would you have to give up to make that? I mean, unless you're talking about giving up four first-round picks, I don't know if there's any offer they wouldn't match. Yeah, so... I wouldn't be too concerned about that, or, or too hopeful to the idea. Yeah, of I don't think that. Andre Miller uh, landing in Vancouver. Uh, this one, uh, Lucas from Kamloops. I'm just going to say, even though it's highly unlikely they can still make the playoffs, they have an easy schedule, and the teams <laughs> in the West are sliding. If any team can make a real miracle run, the Canucks are setting up for it. That is Lucas uh, from Kamloops, 650-650. I love the passion, though. Honestly, man, you guys got heart. You got lots of heart. Sabres Rob says, if the Canucks run the table 95 points, could they make the playoffs? <laughs> oh, that is great. All right, uh, great stuff coming into our text inbox, as always, 650-650. We'll, we'll hit more as the show goes on here. But we mentioned Guillaume Brisebois. What a great story. I can't get enough mm-hmm. of Guillaume Brisebois. If you want to talk about perseverance, resiliency, it's so easy for you to... I thought you made an excellent point, Vic. Usually when you see a player, even if, as a third-round pick, who's been you know, toiling in the minors for almost you know, seven, eight years and trying to make his dream happen, it's easy to blame somebody and be like, I need to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I, need to go, I need to go somewhere where they give me a chance because 
you know. Someone else will believe in me. Yeah, you guys are giving good. me the chance. You're, you don't believe it. You're the problem, not me. Mm-hmm. I need to go somewhere else, or I need to so get a chance somewhere where they believe in me. And that hasn't happened because he, like he said, understood what he had to do, and he never let the dream die. And I don't know if he's going to be an everyday NHL player, but guess what? He got a two-year contract, one way, ne- two way next year, and one way the next year. He's going to be an everyday professional player at least. He's got a he's got a guaranteed one way contract in two years. I mean, power to the guy. He gets his first goal tonight, and here he is meeting with media post game. Not great. I I haven't really. <laughs> I can't really put words into it. Um, it just happened so quickly. Uh, now I can reflect on it and I'm pretty happy the guys made an unbelievable play on this sequence so I'm really really grateful for for that talk us through the play and how you saw it all developing to jump up like that um the the guy I just saw an opening and I saw the guys kept making great plays on the wall and then after that ammo back and pass uh uh it was an unbelievable play and I just try to put it in pretty impressive finish looks like you've been doing that all your career yeah but no I haven't uh, I haven't but uh no it was uh it was a great opportunity and I saw it and the guys made the great play with the contract now the goal like I mean you talk about the, the success that you're having right now and what this part of your career is like right now uh I'm really happy about it but I'm not satisfied with it um I think I'd, I have to to build on that and I think that's going to build a little bit of confidence but I still got to play really hard and, and prove myself every day. What does it mean to you to see how happy the guys were for you? Uh, it means a lot. It means a lot when the teammates are, are almost as happy as you or even more happy than you. Uh, the guys have been great with me since the beginning. Since I've been here, they've been amazing. They've helped me a lot, uh, especially my, my D partner, my Z, and everyone on the D core. They've been, they've been great. Even the forward group, uh, I think I really... I really enjoy the atmosphere and the guys is winning, so it's it's really great right How now. How much is this speak to the way you stuck to it in your career and, and the support the organization has given you? Uh, just I'm I'm really grateful for for everything they've done. They stuck with me, and I think I stuck with them as well. Um, I really try to work hard and try to prove them right. Uh, I I want to prove them that they made the the right decision by signing me, and uh, but I got to take it day by day and and improve every day. What's been the difference for you across this last stretch here? Uh, the difference has been, well, like I said, the guys have been great for the adjustment. Uh, they've, they talk to me a lot, so it's it's really easy to play uh, behind those guys, and especially with, with Demmer and, and they've, all the goalies we've had, they've been, they've been great behind, so it, it really helps when, when you know that everyone can, can help you if you make a mistake. Saw the smile on your face when you came out as the first star. Like, how was that moment to come out in front of the fans like that? I'm not used to it, so <laughs> so uh, it was it was a special moment, uh, obviously. But I think the win the win is much more important in, in this moment. Uh, that is Canucks defenseman Guillaume Brisebois. And, and speaking like a true NHL veteran, uh, the, the win's more important than me yeah. getting my goal and, and me getting my chance. But well, he said he's not used to it. I tried watching him. <laughs> As he was skating out, tr- trying to throw the stick over the glass. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> and it was a very, uh, it was very innocent. A lot of trepidation in throwing the, the stick over the glass. Shit. Most guys are like, toss it high, someone will grab it. Mm-hmm. He was like, make sure this kid grabs it and just gently, gently put it over the don't glass. Don't hurt anybody yeah, here. Don't with hurt the stick. anyone. Yeah, it was but, good. It was good. Uh, and, and like uh, Ben Bastron, who's uh, producing the show back at the station, he just chimed in when it when it ended. It's like a wholesome interview. It really 100%. was, right? Like, a really wholesome interview. Yeah, man, guy lives a dream. Uh, scored a, scored an NHL goal. And you know what? The thing I like about Kuzmenko, and we discussed this yesterday a little bit, uh, but, like, 
when I see a guy that happy and that enthusiastic and charismatic, that's kind of how I think a lot of fans would envision themselves if they had a chance to play in the NHL and be a good player. Like, why would you have a bad day if you played in the NHL and scored goals and had a lot of fun? Now, the reality is life is life and things happen, you know, and you're going to have good days and bad days no matter what your disposition is. Things are going to happen, right? But there is an infectiousness about how he conducts himself, right? But then watching a guy like Guillaume Brisebois, it, it's, it tugs at the same type of emotions, but this one being a guy who really persevered through so much. And organizationally, him getting that contract, I think that's a good thing for anybody else. What a boost. You show you show and say, hey, listen, this guy who drafted 2015, different regime, but we believe in this guy, and at least to be part of our organization and our plan to some degree in the future here. You're not from this organization. You're you got a chance here. You can do this. And having that developmental pathway, having the rewards, and having people that prove they can do those things, when you look at Abbotsford and the type of environment you're creating, the type of rewards you're giving, I think that can be a really powerful thing. And he's probably going to be a leader in the AHL, right? Like he's going to go back to Abbotsford at some point. You would expect him to be you know, one of the important voices for Abbotsford end of this year, next year, whatever it is. I've always looked at the, the leadership group on any sports team, the captains, wh- whoever you lean upon. They're, they're, they're essentially middle management. They've got to carry a, a message from the coach to the rest of the players. Now, if Guillaume Brisebois is going to be a leader in the AHL, you know what he's going to say? You know what I did? I shut up and I worked hard. Yeah. You want to get rewarded by these guys? You want to know these guys respect and look out for? People that just work hard. People that try to work on their craft and try to get better. You need those message carriers, water carriers, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. You need them in your organization. And you need to be able to translate, these are our principles as an organization. These are our ideals. We want to see people live up to them. And now you have a leader that can go there and say, I did this. Yes. And we're not asking to do anything that I didn't do. So see if you can accomplish this and see if you can go get your reward. Because I got my reward. Yeah, because it comes down to what you put on the ice, not what your name is, where you were drafted, and what happened. Or who picked you. It's like what they say in football. You control you, what you put on tape. Yeah. You put good things on tape, and good things will happen to you. It's, it's the same principle, right? These athletes, th- these opportunities, that we always talk about, oh, it's a privilege to play in this game. Mm-hmm. Man, these guys work hard. I mean, even, even, even the guys who are quote-unquote bad NHL players, you know how hard they work to get here? But there's a different level of hard work to get here and hard work to stay here and hard work to excel here. The the phrase I've heard athletes say, arrive, survive, thrive. A lot of guys arrive. Not a lot of them survive. Yeah. And even even fewer thrive. Yeah. Yeah. And and credit to this guy. Surviving. Staying in the show. Mm -hmm. Getting himself contracts. Just Staying in North America to play hockey, right? Like, how many guys have to have to bugger off to go to Europe to play or to how live their dream? Quit, yeah. And look, man, there's nothing wrong with it. We, would I everyone has the end of a runway. There was a player somewhere in the league this year. I forget who it was, but literally thought about retiring last year. Came back and just in, got in, in Carolina, Chicago. Chicago we got, just yeah. got recalled. I forget what the player's name was, but what a story! What a great story. Uh, Gust, I think his name is. Yeah, could have been. In, in yes. Chicago, Chicago scored his first NHL goal at age 29. Almost walked away this summer. Yeah, and he was. Encouraged to come back. Yeah, I'm sure there was a promise that we'll get you up for one game, but got his opportunity. Scores his first NHL goal. Awesome story. Yeah. And and now like, 
how long does, does stuff like that resonate? Sure, like that that's fair to question. But Guillaume Brisebois has got a two-year deal. He's going to be in the AHL, or, or he's going to be in the organization. And one way or another, there's there's something for for players to look at and say, all right, this guy put the work in. Well, Jeffro asks, do you think Breezebuck could be a penalty killer on this team next year? He'll get a chance to fight for a spot. Yeah. You know, can he be a depth guy? Can he break the top six? He has opportunity now. He's earned at least a look, and that's what he's done to put himself in that type of position for next season. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. We'll hear from another Canuck who's having success to sign a new contract. Phil DiGiuseppe plus Ian McIntyre is sat in Bick in the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Bringing you the most Canucks coverage in BC. Only on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Messer holds in again left wing. Drops to JT Miller. Near circle. Send it in front. Giuseppe scores! Phil Giuseppe tips it home on the backhand in the crease. And the Canucks take a 1-0 lead. 135 into the first. Canucks go on to win 5-2 over the Dallas Stars here at Rogers Arena. Their fifth straight victory here. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text inbox. And we are going to hear from Ian McIntyre and from Phil DiGiuseppe coming up in just a moment's time. We spoke about Christian Wolanin earlier as well, another defenseman who's been acquitting himself well here as a member of the Canucks blue line since being recalled by the Canucks and signed this offseason. And he also chips in with an assist on the evening, playing almost 19 minutes plus two on the night. And Colin from the Caribou says, any word on if the Canucks are making an effort to re-sign Wolanin? I do think it is under consideration. The question is, do you get it done? And, and given the work the Canucks have done in getting uh, Field de Giuseppe signed and Guillaume Brisebois, it would stand to reason they would like to do the same with, with Willannon? Yeah. Um, man, he's carried over his preseason form. He's, he's always been spectacular putting up the points in the AHL. But there was still this question of, would he be decent defensively? And... You know, you, you you can cover up a lot of that with your skating and your puck moving ability, but honestly, like defensively, sat there, there's the odd gaff, but you'd expect that for a guy you're lower in your depth chart, but but nothing that I look at and I think, oh yeah, there's this is a short term fix of he can just play sparse minutes and the odd time he power play fill in, he can do that. No, like he's. Another functional depth piece that uh, is coming to this organization and giving you real minutes now. And yeah, could, could he be at least uh, comp- a competent depth option for you to some degree, right? And I think that's something that maybe he can't provide. Uh, Nathan from the Raj says, texting in with over 1% tonight. Wanted to take a minute to wish Jonathan Tanner Miller a genuine happy birthday today. As yeah. Barbecue Bruce said, they're not all Picassos, but that was one from JT tonight. Talked to a fan who wasn't impressed with my JT Miller chance tonight. I wonder what it will take for the bulk of the fan base to realize he's been our most consistent forward since 2019. So that's a take from Nathan from the Raj, and he's been over a point-per-game player since then. Like For sure. Uh, Jen texting in, the antithesis of the breezeball thing is the Rutherford treatment of Boudreaux. Let's not our memories – let's not let our memories be that short. Sorry for the downer text. That is from Jen, 650-650. Yeah, the organization wears that. We've never uh, not mm. discussed that the, the they played that poorly uh, with Bruce, and especially now with the results. We had a text earlier saying – 
you know, if, if they always knew Taco was going to be this good, why'd they wait? And we talked about this in the first intermission, myself and Reach. They chose the middle ground. It was either too early or too late. Kind of half measure time. Like we mentioned this. Like it was either like, uh, yeah, I'm with you. They Had they done it after 25 games? Different story. Had they done it after 60 games? You probably got the best of both worlds. But they chose the middle ground and – I don't want to rehash it too much, but you know, this mm-hmm. is a lot of people. Att- like what Jen mentioned, she's not the only person because mm-hmm. ca- uh, coming up short house had a had a Bruce take, but different from what Jen had. He says, "Is someone going to come out and say that Bruce is a terrible coach?" Everyone keeps coming out and talking about the structure now, how they actually have guidance and leadership. Every time I hear one of the players say it, it sounds like an indictment of Bruce as coming up short house. And I think, I mean, even last year, even we talked about okay, there's a lot of things that have to, you know, but but you know what? The, the thing about him was at least he put players in a position to be successful, and he he was able to get people on board. He did right. He got people mm-hmm. on board last year. This year, he kind of cut the bench down. He didn't, he didn't get people involved. He kind of went away from what he did last year. He wanted to implement structure, couldn't do it, and it all kind of fell apart. I do think, in terms of evaluating his job as a coach this year in Vancouver, I think he could have been fired. Like I think it was completely fair to say this coach yeah. is not doing a good enough job. Now you can say the environment was poison for him, and you didn't give him a chance, and all those things can also be true. I don't think the issue was you getting rid of Bruce. I think it co- made complete sense. It's how it happened. It's how they went about it. And had they handled it differently, and the team admitted that they learned some lessons from it, and it it would obviously do things differently. Because had you massaged that in a different way, then maybe you could have had the, let's make this change at game 65. Let's make this change at game 70. You know, and we kind of get through it. They overplayed their hand. That's what happened. Yeah, and had they, you know, had that situation not gotten out of control, because I mean, a lot. I was of gonna pa- say they got caught cheating. That's kind of what it is. <laughs> well, kind like, of, kind of did. They kind of got before they to, broke up. Yeah. Before you broke up, you got caught talking to somebody else. It's like I was gonna break up with you, but, but that's kind of how it is. I was like, waiting for that trip to. I was waiting for our trip first, <laughs> and after the trip, I was gonna do it. We were supposed to go out to dinner. It's gonna that, do it, it was, lightly. Listen, this trip was not refundable. <laughs> So I just wanted to. Ma- I just want to do. I just want to take take us to take this trip, and once we come back from it, then you know we move on. But or it's whatever. true. They they got caught flirting with another coach. Yeah, exactly. Now they ultimately decided to <laughs> live in that world, but they 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 made their bed in this scenario. Yeah. Now doesn't mean the next relationship can't be prosperous. <laughs> and uh, so far, eleven seven and two under Rick Tockett, so it's working. Yeah, it but certainly is. It wasn't handled well, and and that's why, like, when you have a public display uh, with how that all went down, yeah, like, it, I, I get Jen's point, and I see the other text coming in. Uh, it's all For valid sure. to not forget that. Absolutely. Uh, Jeremy Poco says, in their first 20 games, respectively, Boudreaux had a better record than Talkett has. Enough with the short-term bumps. Can people stop texting in about what-if playoffs? Just build the damn good competitive <laughs> team, please. Now, now, I would argue Bruce also had a better roster. Roster. Well, I mean, yeah, they're... They're banged up. Yeah. Guys have been traded away. Different vibes, too, around what was happening. The team didn't trade guys at the deadline. Completely different scenarios. And I mean, Demko didn't come back for Tockett until... Just now. The, the last, like... Yeah, I guess look, the this, the yeah. winning streak coincides with that for Demko coming back. That's yeah. kind of where it's that, That's where it's at. All right. Uh, Brandon Impoco says, Happy birthday to JT Miller. At times, JT has either stood for just temperamental or just <laughs> turnover. That's Brandon Impoco. <laughs> Jokes for 60. Always always coming up. Big. And Brandon Impoco... You know how we talk about consistency? Brandon Impoco is consistent. 
Like, brings a consistent effort, always funny, always got jokes, always has enthusiasm. Like, you know, big shouts to Brandon and Poco. Every single post-game show, having a lot of fun. So the JT thing. I want to bring this up. All right. Yes, please. Yeah, look, it's, it's been awesome here in this calendar year, right? Like, going back 31 games. Like, he's engineering offense. It's got to carry over to the next year. And and the one thing I'd say is if you go through his career splits month to month, boy, does it tell a story. He gets better as the season goes on. He gets better <laughs> as the season goes along. And for all the people that are skeptics of, like, I don't know if he's going to do this. Like, there's proof. <laughs> there, there, there's proof, proof of concept in, in the start of this <laughs> yeah. year. Like, this isn't just a recent thing. Like, I'm just going to read you a splits here. Can I do this? Yes, please do. In October. It, it, this is in his career. Okay, right. This is not just in Vancouver. This is including Tampa, including New York. 66 points in 85 games in October, 77 and 107 in November, 63 and 108 in December, 77 and 94 in January, 96 and 126 in February, 93 and 126 in March, 30 and 43 in April. Like it, it does get better as the season goes along. And here's the thing: the task at hand is game one. You got to be strong. You do. Immediately. Like, none of this Shaquille O'Neal show up. I'll, I'll play myself in his shape. Don't worry about it. Big Aristotle's got it. Come playoff time. <laughs> yeah. No, man. Can't have that. No. Cannot have that. I mean. Shaq Daddy. <laughs> Shaq Daddy's got this. No. <laughs> that was a classic Shaq thing. Yeah, it is. You start the year and be like, just grit your teeth. He'll be ready. He'll be ready. He'll, He'll be, be ready. He'll work himself into shape. But that gets harder and harder to do. Every year, and mm-hmm. now is he's into his thirties now, right? And it's not old yet. I mean, I know for NHL age, he just age, turned thirty today. Just turned thirty. Was <laughs> getting getting. You got that three in front of your name. You're washed all of a sudden. Yeah, uh, Gary from the North Shore tonight. Besser really stepped up. Can he play that sixty games a year? If so, keep him. That's Gary in North Shore. I mean, three point performance from him this evening. We had him on as soon as the game ended, and it was great chat with him about where his game's at and where the team is kind of trending towards. But I mean, Besser needs more of this like he needs to find a spot and he had a lot of success playing alongside JT Miller and also the third guy on that line Phil DiGiuseppe who's had quite the level of success with Vancouver another player who got a two-year contract and here he is post game getting a goal tonight after the Canucks beat the Dallas Stars 5-2 here is PDG yeah it's huge obviously you know what's been preached is you know building for next year and um you know that's what they want from us and and uh We've been providing that, so good to see the boys battle and uh, get rewarded for it. How about beating a team like this, leading their division, getting ramped up for the playoffs? Yeah, they're a good team. Um, I think they're missing one or two guys, but um, yeah, top line's pretty good. Um, it's, it was a big, big test for us, and uh, I think we answered the bell. Taking the lead early, what did that do for the group? I mean, that's the start you want, so that's ideally how you want to start a game. Um, I thought we come out came out hot and obviously they answered uh, for a little bit there but we regrouped and a couple timely goals on our uh, behalf. What does it say that the first three goals were all about you guys establish, finding position and establishing position? Everything Rick's been talking about you guys did. Yeah it's huge obviously you know that's the game plan and anytime you are all in on the game plan that's that's what you want as a team so um, you know good to see the guys get rewarded. You talked about earlier about um, preparing for next year last two seasons you've been close to making this team coming out of Kansas. There are a lot of good things in preseason. Um, do you think that you're making a statement for next year for yourself right now? Uh, that's my plan, obviously. Like I said in past interviews, I take things day by day. and um, yeah, I have an opportunity now, so trying to seize that. Um, every day, obviously, playing with the guys I'm playing with. Um, 
yeah, I want to answer answer the bell. Yeah, the guys you're playing with, you talk about the opportunity and playing alongside of, of JT and Brock. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I want to set Brock up a little bit, but um, you know, J, JT can make great plays and um, like he did tonight. So I got to find that soft spot a little bit more, and uh, hopefully, I can find Brock here and there. What happened on the penalty? I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> happened so fast, I was a little confused. But uh, I mean, they scored, but. Um, Boys battled, so it's a good thing we won. <laughs> I was still confused, but uh, I guess that's the way she goes. Won't happen again. <laughs> uh, that's Phil DiGiuseppe uh, after the game and scored a goal tonight. Took a penalty for closing his hand on the puck and uh, obviously a bit stressed out about that situation, but but happy to team one. And, you know, we talk about him and, and how he's been able to play. Here's another game from him where he plays, you know, just over 13 minutes, gets down the forecheck, throws a couple of hits. The pace is obviously not there in his game, and that's going to be something that, you know, he's going to have to either improve or be able to still overcome in order to be a full-time player next season. But much like Breezebois, what he's done in his short time in Vancouver with the contract he's earned is giving himself a chance in training camp next year to earn a spot on the team. I'll say, like, he's constantly in the right spots, right? Yeah. Your, your your skating ability is only as relative as the angles that you play with. Mm-hmm. If you are fast, you can cheat a little bit because you can catch up to the play. You recover quicker. You recover quicker, and you can collapse a bit more because you're going to push out to the point a lot faster, all of that. He plays with really good angles, mm-hmm. and he's constantly just ticking along the ice, getting in the right spots, supporting the puck, trying to be aggressive. So when you play with smart angles, like you, you notice him a lot because he's – just doing effective things that are within his control, right? Don't skate the puck through the neutral zone and, and try to generate all the speed. Get into the red line, wait for your support, chip it in deep, and then go support them as they try to hold the puck up. He does all of that. And so not only is he is, is he an intelligent player, he knows what his limitations are. And you know, we, we talk about concepts and defensive principles and all this sort of systems, right? The, the best system requires execution. The worst system requires ex- execution. Mm-hmm. Phil DiGiuseppe, like, executes what he can do. And effectively. Yeah. So you see, like, even a player that some people are going to say, hey, has limitations, don't invest, whatever. If you're still executing what you can control, then you can look like an effective player. And yeah. right now, that's what he's doing. And he's getting a role. Like, the, the goal that he makes is a really nice goal. Obviously, JT makes a hell of a play. Yeah. But the way he turns, seals off a guy behind him, presents a backhand target. He goes to the right spot, and he's available for the pass. All simple things that you can control, and he's available, as you said. And and allow a, a, a star player to hit you with the puck. You know what? Like, he kind of what he kind of reminds me of in different players of Chase on a little bit. Just in terms of like, who's crushing it right now in Detroit? Great. By the way, color me surprised. Yeah. I mean, Alex Chase on deserved a contract this year. Big miss. <laughs> deserved a contract somewhere this year. I'm happy for him. I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm happy for Alex Chase on. But similarities there in terms of how you become available and, and good on Phil Giuseppe for for doing that tonight, getting a goal, earning a two year contract, and you know. We'll see what he can do in training camp next season in terms of maybe being part of the team more than just what he's doing so far this year. Now, it is time to get to the man we call the closer, the triple threat. You see him on TV, you read him on digital, and you hear him on radio. He is Ian McIntyre. (laughs) 
do the closers at the World Baseball Championship Classic? Classic, classic. World Baseball Classic. Do they throw four pitches instead of six because it's so early in the season? <laughs> like the starting pitchers pitch three innings, right? Or yes. Four or five innings. So, so the closers must have their work reduced. Probably not. They still get, they still get an inning. Yeah. Maybe two if you really need a guy. The closers make the big money, but I think middle relief. That's the hard work. That's the job you want. That's the job you want. Like you spend days on end just out chilling. in the outfield. <laughs> Sunflower seeds Sunflower and sunshine. Sunflower seeds, gum, yeah. talking to the fans. Occasionally you have to 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 run in and pretend that. Mop-up duty too. It's no, like no, no. Just that if somebody gets a dust up, you know, the oh, I right. love it when the bullpen guys is like, oh, With a mouthful man. of spits yes. spinning it as he's running they out. kind of jog in <laughs> half-heartedly like. We're not actually going to fight here, are we? We're going to shake our fists at the other team. My hands are too important. I'm not throwing any. (laughs) Everyone comes in. Throw three innings of middle relief. Yeah, whatever it is. Usually you're you're down 7-2, and you're just like, I'm just going to eat some innings. Oh, that would be so good. (laughs) But, I mean, mind you, you might only make $6 million a year doing that. No, it would. As opposed to the big money. The the real money. The the big money that uh, that needs to be earned. I mean, we haven't really spoke about Andre Kuzmenko, but – I think That's he's, big money. I think he's actually making he's making it look easy while having fun. I mean, mm-hmm. eating bananas on the bench, drinking Pepsi, smiling, laughing What's all that? the time. He's like, acting like a sports writer, except <laughs> for the banana part. <laughs> yeah. Like when he pulls out a Mars bar yeah. and w- washes it down with Pepsi, then yeah. he's in my world. Yeah. Right? <laughs> he's but, entered our realm. Yeah, what a what a uh, what a story he is. And you know, he's still we forget He's still just on his entry level, his one-year deal. His big deal for $5.5 million, which is still going to be a bargain because he's going to score 40 goals, it doesn't even start till next year. Um, but he's, you know, I, I've covered a lot of players, and, and I just, we all fall prey to hyperbole at times, but I honestly can't remember a guy who's this engaging and that good. Like, there's lots of characters, mm-hmm. guys who have had to develop a sense of humor and self-deprecation because their career is really hard, you know, and yeah. and, and they're trying to – they've bounced around and, and they've got some perspective and they can just enjoy the journey. I, I've, I've met some of those guys, and they're great as well. But for a guy who's as good as he is and is getting the kind of attention that he gets – uh, I just don't remember anybody else like Kuzmenko. Not in this organization. Mm-hmm. What are real expectations for him next year? Like, I, I, well, like I mean, forty would be nice, yeah, but but as, as far as what you expect him to do, well, he's going to score forty this year. Yeah. So I would think you know forty would be nice. Maybe maybe that's unrealistic, but I don't think it is because I, I I don't think that he, I think he could shoot a lot more than than what he yeah. has shown. Yeah. Like he he's. He's such a good uh, playmaker and so uh, conscious of being a good teammate because he is a good teammate. Like, he, he wants to include everyone. I think he could be more selfish and score more goals. But I think I think the big thing for him, and, and I hate to sound like a coach, but the big thing for him is just to keep working as hard as he is to improve his game and take instruction uh, to heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a guy, uh, again, a month ago, I guess just over a month ago now, 
you know, we had three straight games of 12 minutes, 12 minutes, 10 minutes, and we were talking about that. Mm-hmm. What, what's wrong with him? Fresh off of signing that deal, too. Yeah. And, and now and now look at how he's doing. And as Talkett has said, when, you know, this isn't a guy who pouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he hates Talkett. He hates guys who pout, <laughs> as most coaches do. But y- you criticize him, and he takes it to heart, and he genuinely wants to do to better. And, and that's why he's now playing as much as as he is so soon after it looked like his next step might be to come out of the lineup Mm -hmm. like literally i thought that might happen and again it would be more symbolic than than anything like you know trying to get a really talented player on board but that didn't happen and 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 look what it didn't happen because look what he's look what he's done so as long as he has that kind of commitment to trying to improve his game trying to get better trying to get healthier um, or healthier, fitter, because, again, uh, an underreported thing, although I've mentioned it a few times, yeah. he, he's on his own training regimen, yeah. this guy. Like, he does – he gets the Sedin's workout, the same well, – yeah. well, not the same workout, but the same idea, the Sedin's about year three, the team basically had this intervention. It was like, whatever you guys are doing in the summer, we know you're trying, but it's not working. So now you're going to do extra workouts in season. And Henrik uh, talked about that. It'd be kind of like embarrassing at times on a game day that they'd be out on the ice in the morning when nobody else is skating, but they've got to get another workout in. uh, And, and, you know, mostly for them, it was about strength, not cardio. They had fantastic motors. Well, they're trying to get the cardio and the strength and get, you know, a a little more leanness in in Kuzmenko but the important thing is Kuzmenko is all for it like he's not he's not bracing against this or bracing hey I was the whatever Mm. second leading scorer in the KHL and I just signed this like he is so committed to trying to get better which is all part of it like why he's such an incredibly engaging figure Mm -hmm. like especially when you know some of this stuff going on in the background how hard he's working and then the personality that he displays publicly, and I don't think it's put on. I think this is him. It's just, uh, it's great. It's great. People need somebody uh, to, you know, rally around. Somebody who who compels them to come to games, and and he's he's certainly one of those guys. Now Canucks have a couple of them now. They do out. have a couple, and you know, one guy who. It's funny because he's been here now for four years. He's been a point per game player, over a point per game player for those four years, but doesn't have that's the same your favorite stats. Yeah, I love this I stat. I love this stat so much. Somebody texted it's in like today. Somebody in his firstborn. <laughs> I right? love it. Like it's so good. I love this. I've heard stat. it fourteen <laughs> times in the last three weeks. I but. love it so much. <laughs> and the reason I love it so much is because somebody responded to us today. We're talking about JT and, and tonight was his fourth game in five nights where he had over two points, multiple games. He's got seven multiple games, point, multi-point games since um, uh, Taka took over. He has 62 points on the season. Horvat has 63. Like he literally, like he's second in team scoring. Like he's going to be a point per game player before the season's over. And we're talking about his game. Somebody texted in and said, you guys are getting ahead of yourselves. It's only a small sample of JT playing well. He's been doing this for four years. Like the one thing I don't understand about JT is there seems to be like this, and I get like, but there seems to be this, this like psychotic break about what he's actually done versus what the perception is of him, and I still can't wrap my head around how somebody who's been this productive still gets referred to as oh, 
it's all it's, it's a flash in the pan. He hasn't done it in a meaningful way, or oh, we haven't seen this for a state. Well, these are meaningless games. Yeah, these are to some extent. Right, but but he's done it for four years. Yes, they weren't yeah. all meaningless games in his four years. I agree <laughs> with that. I I think there I think there are people, just like you know, goodwill goes a long way, and there's a lot of people who will give Kuzmenko the ben benefit of the doubt. Ill will goes a long way too, and and there's people whether uh, you know I think they want to admit it or not they would like JT to fail because some of the things they see about him they so dislike that they they don't want him to be successful mm -hmm. and you know I I think that's a I I think that's too bad in in some respects I think everyone deserves fairness and and listen as we've talked about you know the these issues that JT has had; these are real. You know the the body language, mm -hmm. um, the the temper at times. The at you know, and, and even he would say like at times he just sort of blacks out. He's so frustrated he quits on a play for a few seconds. Well, we haven't seen that lately. We haven't seen that mm -hmm. under Talkett. And I think what's especially impressive about Miller right now. Uh, and he's going to end up having a pretty solid season after it looked like it was going to be a train wreck early on. But again, it was never as bad as the reality was never as bad as some people made it out to be because mm -hmm. because of these other things. But he's going to end up having a pretty solid season. But what he's doing now, so he, he quietly has this strong game tonight, right? He just now quietly has strong game after strong game. And you don't. Like he's not nearly as flamboyant. Yeah. You're not, and he has gotten a lot better at at channeling his emotions. And and this again was something that he realized he had to do even before there was a coaching change, even before Rick Tockett came in and established these non-negotiables that mm -hmm. everyone has to do. Miller knew that he had to he had to get better. And of course, lately they've been winning, so everyone should be happier. But you don't notice him as much, and yet at the end of the night, he's got a goal and assist. And it, if you dig into some of the fancier stats, you know he's had tough matchups and and yet held his own defensively. I don't think he's ever going to win a Selkie Trophy. I'll, no. I'll go out on a limb and say that. Although he did but get some votes. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> I'd like to know from whom. Um, but certainly. Everybody can, as we've seen under talk, everybody can can make it a priority mm -hmm. to de to try to defend. And I thought there was a lot of positive things tonight. I, I wrote about the contributions from the guys at the bottom of the lineup because it's not just one or two guys. Yeah. And and I hadn't even thought of Noah Juleson until talk mentioned him post game. But I think another really positive thing about tonight's game is the third period. I. I think the Canucks were were good for two peers. I don't think they were their best. Right. And and again, uh, Demko had to make a couple of big saves, but not anything like what we had witnessed earlier in the year. But in the third period, when the game was on the line, three three two, and Dallas is an exceptionally good road team. You know, twenty and eight on the road, and and they're still playing for everything. Yeah. They're trying to win their division and and playoff seating and stuff. And the Canucks gave gave them five shots on net in 18 minutes, and then they got a couple at the end on on that late power play. Mm -hmm. But you know, in 
earlier in the season and not that long ago even earlier under rick talkett there were games in that position suddenly they're just under siege like they can't they couldn't get out of their own end and they're they're just such a more composed structured mm -hmm. disciplined committed team and i do think having this fairly large influx at the bottom of the lineup from guys who are all fully bought in because they have no choice if they're not bought in they have no chance to build an nhl career with with this coach and this this team you know they've got nothing in the bank that's going to you know yeah. carry carry them through lean weeks and and so they have to be bought in but the fact that it's a group of them together i think they're supporting each other but i also think that that is having a positive effect on on everybody above them too yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, it has to have at least the in the short term, and like we talked about, it all comes down to what happens next season. But I think it's been nothing but positive, especially seeing the way JT's played. Somebody asked, "What's his plus minus? Still minus nine on the season, but well, over these eighteen plus two games, tonight. plus two tonight." Yeah. Uh, but over the course of these eighteen games that he's played under Tockett, nineteen points plus five, and for his career, he's a plus ten. And if you look at the analytics, I don't know if you have it have it up i mean he's now he's now positive for the season and remember he absolutely cratered at the start at five yeah. on five so the fact he's now uh, um above 50 on the season is is significant and he's he's getting let's remember since the horvat trade and miller went back to center i mean Pedersen has been fantastic all along but miller has gotten a lot of matchups he's gotten you know some challenging matchups uh some nights so these aren't these aren't easy minutes mm -hmm. that he's he's playing he's not breezing through these games uh for 22 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever he played tonight so uh i i think he's doing well but really you know right now who isn't who isn't playing well, well exactly I mean, garland and besser are two of the guys that we've talked about a lot look at the games they had tonight five points between them both of them both of them excellent and then the, the players above them, the Kuzmenkos, Pedersen, Hughes, Miller, Demko since he came back. They're all they're all right on top of their, their game right now. Yeah, they certainly are. Ian, you're always on top of your game. I can't wait no, to read I'm your not, latest. No, I'm but that's kind of you to say. I uh, look forward to reading your latest on sportsnet.ca. Hey, do you know, Sat, there's yes. only two players in Canucks history who've had more <laughs> than a point per game over an extended period of time. Right, right. And one of them is JT Miller. Yeah. I love that. And yes. the other one is a guy who's, who's in the Hall of Fame. Pavel Bure. Yes. And Alex McGillney could have if he'd really wanted <laughs> if to. If he wanted to, he could have. After just, the first couple of years, like, he yeah, looked around. Ah, I'm good. I'm yeah, going to take it easy for this, yeah. uh, for this one here. Where are we going with yeah. these guys? So. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love it. Right, a lot of reaction on the text in the box. As always, we appreciate everybody texting in. Make sure uh, to be with us again on Thursday when the Canucks are in Arizona against the Coyotes. And check out the People Show with Bick Nazar tomorrow and what's happening tomorrow with you and Josh Ellie Wolf. Ian McIntyre on the show. You can react to what he writes, which is available on sportsnet.ca, and I'll be back on Canuck Central tomorrow with Kevin Woodley and overrated, underrated, myself and Dan Riccio and Josh Ellie Wolf producing. And thanks to Ben Bastrin and Lena producing the show here tonight and all of you for listening and being part of the Canuck Central postgame show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.